This is TDPS. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and everyone here at TDPS would like to congratulate my co-host and best friend, Christopher Rice, also known as steamy romance author C. Travis Rice, on the publication of Sapphire Storm, the third novel in his Sapphire Cove series. Sapphire Storm is the drama-filled tale of a forbidden romance that exposes old secrets and incurs the wrath of the powerful and the famous. It went on sale March 7th, along with the first two entries in the series, Sapphire Sunset and Sapphire Spring. It's available wherever eBooks are sold. Congratulations, C. Travis Rice, and congratulations, Christopher. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And I think Christopher is up to something. I'm not up to anything. I'm up to podcasting. What are you up to? I don't know. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I was just wondering, like, should we start the episode with me talking about how much I hate my hair right now? Or should we talk about true crime? Oh, could we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I hate my hair right now. I'm getting it all cut off next week. This week, excuse me. Christopher was trying something new with his hair. And it didn't and work. Well, it's just... It, Christopher has really great hair. Okay. But that's and that's his big challenge is how can I manage having really fantastic hair? I'm gonna need you to unpack that a little bit, Eric Shawquin, because it's about me. And I, as we all know, I like it when we talk about me on this podcast. Everybody drink. I'm sorry, that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> you have great hair. You're a monster talent. Don't have a change. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. No, it just it, it, he was trying to do something and it his hair is really thick, and it just doesn't do that. I look like a mad scientist is what I look like. He just has—he looks like Carol Burnett in <laughs> Pete and Tilly. <laughs> I knew you would get super specific if I encouraged you enough, and I would be devastated as a result. Just, he's Carol his, Burnett. His hair is so thick that when he doesn't— Trim it down on the sides, it stands out. You remember how Carol used to wear her hair back in the day? Because I'm not that old. With the big, <laughs> with the big twirler. Uh, uh, Carol Channing also did it. That's sort of <laughs> just large on the sides, poofed out on the sides of the head. And he doesn't like that look. And I don't necessarily recommend it for him. It isn't bad, but, no. but it's it's the way his hair naturally grows. And so he just needs to it trim is, more of it. I need to it. trim it. I need to trim it. That's on the really, sides. On, the, on sides. the sides. It'll be trimmed. But he does this other thing where he overreacts and skins it off okay. on the sides. And then he looks like a World War Two, A sexy World War One veteran. World War One. No, veteran. World War One guys were hotter than World War Two guys. World War One. That's Actually. right. You're right. It's World War One veteran. And, uh, or a Marine. When I first met him, he was just masquering it all, and he looked like a serial killer in training. 
a little skinny little white supremacist is right. what I look Listen. like. Yeah. Big ears, big teeth. No, no. All of that head. is canceled. I, I embrace my hair, but not like this. This is not. Now, Carol Burnett. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, we should be talking about true crime because that's what we actually do it here. It is, and it is Citizen Detective Month. We're kicking off a new themed month here at TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric, which is a month of citizen detectives. And at the end of the month, we're being visited by... An actual citizen detective. In fact, our very favorite citizen detective... Clark Williams, who... You may remember from the Billy Newton investigation that absolutely. we played a teeny tiny part in that actually solved a 32-year-old uh, cold, case. cold case. Yeah, absolutely. Did you forget what a cold case was there for a second? I was trying to think if it really was 32 years. Oh, yeah. We started talking about it 30 around, years. Over 30 years. Thirty. It was the 30-year anniversary when we first started podcasting about the Billy Newton murder. Um, all those episodes, by the way, are available at our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. We have a special page front and center that you can click on, and they're all there. You can chart the journey. And the journey eventually brought us to Clark Williams. Or brought Clark Williams to us. Yeah. And Clark brought the LAPD to the killer. Essentially, is yes, what happened. And they so. went and interviewed him and our, her, and it turned out them, and it turned yeah. out that they really are the killer. They really are the killer. But Clark's coming at the end of the month to talk about what he has been working on, what other cases he's been working on since Billy, because it generated a lot of attention for and him. And people he have hired him to go be a their citizen detective working for police departments yeah. around the country, including LAPD. Really amazing man. And, uh, yeah, it's a great interview back then, so if you can't wait, yeah. here's that. And then later in the month he'll be here. But first, we're starting with a citizen detective closer to home. A journalist, really, who—because I think in a lot of ways journalists really are detectives. They are. Because they're investigative journalists, so— well, when we meet her, what's interesting, and I'll, I'll do the usual setup for the episode, is she's a journalist who says she never covers murders— Right. She doesn't do crime. Yeah. She does. She was a journalist. She'd started her own little sort of local paper or mm -hmm. website or whatever in Malibu to cover local affairs and local government and local stuff because it really is a challenge here in Los Angeles. If you live in an area like the, there's, it's such a massive, huge, gigantic city, the news in your little neighborhood may not ever get reported may not right. make it big may not be big enough to get to the top of the heap to actually be seen on the news or seen in the paper and so i understand that whatever we see on our tv news here is whatever had the most people crying or the most people bleeding in time for the crew to get them on camera. I hate to be that cynical about it, but it's really the truth. Most of the local news here at 11 o'clock, because it's such a huge service area, and as you said, people are, the, the really granular stories don't often migrate, is, a, is about not only if it bleeds, it leads, but if we could get to it in time, and what do we all have in common, which is traffic accidents. It's almost entirely hit and runs, poor children being Their run over in the street. favorite thing to cover here are high-speed chases. Oh, my God. Oh my they God. will actually break into live programming and then follow somebody, and they all in exactly the same way. So yeah. I would like to say if you're considering getting in a high-speed chase, bear in mind that at the end they're going to do the pit maneuver, you're going to wreck your car, and you're going to wind up 
on television kneeling on the freeway yeah. with your hands behind your head. So just don't do that. I had a friend who wanted to do a talk show with uh, like an after show with people who had started high speed chases and be like, so what was your plan? Like, what were you, what were you thinking? Because you always get caught. So right. what could possibly be the plan in doing this? It's just ridiculous. And they cover it like it's somehow unique and it's not. It's a car driving down the road from a helicopter and you're watching it from a helicopter view. It's but just as boring as it could possibly be. All of that is a sign, as you often point out that we are as a as a television audience we you would say this all the time we are second only to the country in terms of viewership if, if you wanted to bigger if you wanted to be a news anchor for a bigger audience than los angeles you would have to be a national news anchor right it is that big a news market it's that big a market the whole almost all of southern california is like one big giant city. Right. So we we are the size of a lot of states. People do those overlay maps. Well, they'll put like in, I mean, Rhode Island for sure. But I think it's like, it's an astonishing, somebody did Manhattan Island recently and I thought that was hysterical. It was like yeah, it's like 30 a, square miles. But Manhattan Island was barely a sliver of what we considered yeah. to be the LA Los area. Angeles is 3,000 square miles. Just Los Angeles. And that is not including... Ventura County and Orange County and San Bernardino, <clears throat> all of which are really kind of part of continuous Los Angeles. It's, it is really massive. Because if you drive out to Palm Springs, which is two hours from where we live and in West Hollywood. now we become Californians. We're now going to talk about Right. But they're still showing the L.A. News out in Palm Springs, two hours away. Because it really is still yeah. L.A. So you can imagine what it's like to get small local crime or anything covered on the that at that level of the news. And that's what inspired... C.C. Woods right. to start a local blog or a local web page in Malibu to cover local news events. And Malibu is a pretty sleepy community. It's famous, but it's not a lot goes on there. And so mostly it was the the argument at the county council meeting or right, who's right. running for office. In fact, it was a particular election. Environmental I think that got law. Her started. Yeah. Environmental law, she said, is what got her into it because erosion is a big thing out there because so many people live jammed up right at the ocean because the mountains are so steep. So let me set this up. This is an installment of True Crime TV Club. You can't wait anymore. You can't the take the anymore. show is called Citizen P.I., the episode is entitled Malibu Sniper. It's season one, episode two. There's only one season of this show, it looks like. Um, is this the first time we have covered a story that you and I have both been kind of present for? I mean, we weren't present for the shootings, but I remember following this in real time here as an Angelino as it happened kind of out in Malibu. Huh. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, You know, I was here for the arc of the Menendez brothers. We've talked about that before. Right. You weren't really here, but all no. of America was really sort of all here of for America, the, yeah. the Menendez brothers. So I don't know that that really counts. But in terms of local, I don't think so. Right. I, I think it's interesting because it's gonna. This story is gonna intersect with local politics in a recent election in a way that I had strong opinions about. So we'll get to that part when it gets right. there. But so you've talked about Cece Woods. We've set her up. She's a journalist. She started this. She talks about having an abusive background. She doesn't go into detail, but she says when she was a young person, she would. She flee. used to just beat the shit out of other people. No, she. I don't know. No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. It sounds like it was the other way. Um, she would flee to Malibu, which a lot of people do. Malibu is an exclusive elitist community, but it's got a lot of beaches and it's got a lot of lookout points and it's got an enormous park, par state park, yeah, yeah. Malibu Canyon State Park. So people from all over L.A. will sometimes just drive out there to kind of soak in yeah. the wilderness and the atmosphere. So she would do that when she was young. Now she lives there. 
no explanation of what her career path or relationship path was. She just lives there and has this paper. And a bunch of hats. And a lot of hats. A lot of hats. She loves a good hat. In fact, she's never without her hat. So on June 22nd, 2018, she woke up early and on her computer, she had a lot of different messages from people in the community about a murder that had taken place at Malibu Creek And State I remember Park. this. Yeah. It was really, it was horrible. Um, so we interviewed Dave Lopez, who's a retired TV journalist from here in L.A. I recognized him, used to see him on TV all the time. So the, the, we also interviewed Johnny Starling, who's a retired captain of the California Highway Patrol. He will be the talking head representative of law enforcement throughout the special, even as they say increasingly hostile and denigrating things about law enforcement's role in this case. Um, so basically somebody was shot in their tent while sleeping. And their two small children were in the tent next to them and were unharmed. It was not a big tent. Unharmed, but so covered in blood when the cops showed up that they had to search them from head to toe to make sure they were not, that the blood on them was their father's. It was not coming from them, that they weren't shot too. The daughters were aged two and four. The victim's name was Tristan Baudet. He was hit in the chest and killed instantly. Uh, his wife wasn't with them. I believe the family was from Orange County. His brother-in-law and other family members were in the tent next to them. Uh, a source uh, messages Cece, our protagonist here for this special, that when the sheriff showed up, the two little kids were so covered in blood head to toe that they had to be patted down to make sure they weren't hit, which I just said. Um, <laughs> you couldn't stop yourself from saying it again? I just It all needs to be given in sequence so that people can keep track while they do their housework and don't have to want to roll it back, even though they missed a key component of the mystery. So... Um, then she's laying in bed that night, and she gets another message from a member of the community saying, you know, the, this past Monday at about 4.30 a.m., there was a driver coming down the hill in Malibu Creek State Park, and they got shot at, and the bullet popped the hood of their car, and the sheriff has not done anything about the situation. They've not come out to collect evidence or retrieve the bullet, which was apparently in the car, and um, this uh, person who gets in touch with Cece, her name is Melissa Tantangelo. And Which sounds like a character from a, <laughs> I know. a Jackie Collins novel. I know. Oh, forgive me. This is actually a third person who's getting in touch with Cece. Basically, what's happening is that all of these people are writing Cece and saying there have been a string of shootings. It reminded me yeah. of the, our experience with Billy the, as yeah. the citizen detective. She had this webpage already up covering local affairs, and she said something about... The shooting, the, yeah. the the terrible murder, and then people began to reach out to her. It became sort of a way in which these people were kind of talking with each other by talking with her. And Melissa is reporting an incident to her that happened a year and a half ago. She said she was sleeping in her car at a campground at 3 or 4 in the morning. She heard a sound that was like a metal bat hitting concrete, and she smelled something burning. And I guess she was with her boyfriend, and they were like, whatever. I don't know what it is. We're too tired. We'll investigate it later. They wake up an hour and a half later, and they hear something rolling around like a marble, and that's when they investigate their car, and they see there's a hole the size of a quarter in the back of it, and the paint is blown off for about an inch on all sides. It's a bullet hole in their car. Somebody shot their car and while they were sleeping. it wasn't a marble rolling around in the car, obviously. It was a bullet. Melissa is aware of another shooting, which she tells Cece about, where a guy named James Rogers was lying in his hammock and felt a sharp pain in his arm and discovered he had what he thought were shotgun pellets in his skin. I think he also went to the hospital to be yes. checked out, and they confirmed that it was some sort of buckshot. Right. 
So now we start to talk about law enforcement and what they're doing and what they're not doing. The area of the sh- that the shootings happened in is covered by the Lost Hills Sheriff Station, which covers five towns in the area, including Malibu Canyon. And the canyon serves as a thoroughfare between all these five towns. I think we should give some context. Like, these are not very big towns, right, like that we're talking about. We're talking about— It's probably about- a bigger area than it is big towns. It's a lot of little sort of communities. That's like a lot of big cities—Atlanta, London— right. Los Angeles, what you really have is a city where a lot of little cities grew together and it became this giant city. I mean, to give, not to nerd out over geography, Malibu is mostly mountains and then a very narrow band of very expensive real estate right on Pacific Coast Highway because the mountains are so steep. And there are a few people who live up in those mountains, but it gets very rural. It gets very ranch-like. Really quickly. And you have to go kind of a long way through those mountains before you hit Calabasas, which is an area a lot of people know because celebrities live there. But it's Calabasas is really like a hot inland valley area on the other side of the mountains. Right. Um, so we're talking about a lot of land and a lot of space and a lot of ground for cops to cover. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So CC has become, as you pointed out, this clearinghouse for these reportings of all these shootings that have gone largely uninvestigated by the Lost Hell Sheriff's right. Station. Right. It's starting to look like a pattern, and there there doesn't seem to be any awareness of that on the part of law enforcement. Uh, and she brings these reports to the Lost Hill Sheriff Station and still gets no answer, even yeah, though, like, you, eh, know, you know. It's an investigation. We can't comment. So she's saying, I've got six people all claiming they were shot at, and they show the cluster of locations on the map, and I'm like, that's pretty fucking close together. It's in the park, but it's close together. Yeah. All right, so then a different kind of report comes rolling in on August 11th, 2018. A 911 call is received by the police about a white Porsche that's driven off a mountain road. The doors are open, and the caller hears someone screaming for help. We interview a woman named Colleen Weevil... Weaver Farrell, excuse me, Colleen. Um, she's the sister of a man named Matthew Weaver. Uh, and Not she, to be confused with Matthew Weevil, who is a bog living in the, the old the, the love of left in the There are no we, the, the office. What? This is a Weevil free story. Yes, I just sorry. want to be really no clear. No Weevils in the story. This is a Weevil free story. I did Matthew not, Weaver. Matthew Weaver. Okay, so Colleen's father, who's also Matthew's father, calls Colleen to tell her that her brother's car has been found abandoned off a hiking trail. Um, Nobody knows where he is. Multiple searches for him take place. They can't find him. The story is that he was hanging out with his friend and dropped her off around 5 a.m. and started driving up towards Stunt Road, 
where there is supposed to be a locked gate to a fire road. And they show, they interview Cece in front of the well, gate. there is a locked gate. It's not just it's supposed su- to be. It's, it's supposed to be locked, I think, is the, and we don't know if it was locked, right? We just know that somehow. somehow he got on the other side of it. Yes. So that, Some, someone, somehow it got unlocked. Someone opened the gate, probably whoever was driving Matthew's car, and if they opened it and it was locked, they had to have a key to that lock. So the car is found beyond the gate at a spot where the road converges with a dirt road, and they show an aerial shot of it. It's like suddenly it's a fire trail. It's not dirt road is even a generous. It's very narrow. Looks too narrow for a car to my eye, but uh, I wouldn't be out there because I fucking hate mountain roads. <laughs> <laughs> Super well driving mountain roads, so that no. would not have been up there to begin with. So Christopher is safe. I'm safe. Whoever's doing the shooting will not get Christopher because he won't be anywhere near where they're doing the shooting. So, Cece said something that I was hearing for the first time, and I guess I always knew that it was true, but it's sort of, the police think it's a suicide, and whenever you hear that quote, you just think, well, they were investigating it, but in a half-assed kind of way. No, she's saying, if they say it's a suicide, no homicide resources are being deployed on the investigation. Right. No forensic analysis is being done. It kills the investigation. Yeah. Uh, Matthew is a reportedly a troubled young man. He's into drugs. He's connected to gangs. Um, but this is in the general area of these shootings, and there was a report of screams on the 911 call that came in about the abandoned white Porsche. So um, CeCe's reporting about this and about the previous cases makes so much fuss that the sheriff's department has to put together a community meeting. So, once again, we're interviewing Captain Starling, who is apparently being kept separate from all the people who are saying hard, sharply critical things about the sheriff's department in their interviews. Which they're just kind of winding up to yeah. at this point, but it gets more intense. Captain Starling points out that this state park is actually in the jurisdiction of several law enforcement agencies, which they don't mention when they pile all the blame on the Lost Hill Sheriff Station at the beginning of the special. Yeah, they really don't. And one of But the- some of them are like... The park rangers who have no law enforcement capacity at all or investigative branch or even guns. Federal rangers, right. And rangers are not qualified to process crime scenes. I guess I knew that, but I thought maybe they would have some sort of... Park rangers? I don't know. I I don't know. I guess you're right. There's those Anna Pijon novels that are about the park ranger who solves crimes, but I don't know if she... (laughs) They're made up, and I don't know if she processes crime scenes. Yeah, there are also those Agatha Christie novels about a little (laughs) old lady from... Little old ladies can solve any crime, and don't you tell me otherwise. I know, little old ladies everywhere solving crimes right now. But they don't have an investigative branch of little old ladies. It's just somebody really clever who's figuring out how to solve a crime. Are you accusing Miss Marple of not properly processing her crime scenes? I think that she's the best, but I also think she doesn't have a forensics department. I think that's true. She relies on actual law enforcement to do that sort of thing. And what apparently is happening is that no one, not even the park ranger, who right. were the ones who discovered this poor man's body with his children, um, have any investigative ability, and the law enforcement that they reported it to is not really doing much investigating. But the Tristan Bodette scene got processed. Yeah, eventually. and that's what happened. That's how they found the evidence that was revealed right. at this meeting. So the, I guess at this meeting they announced they're going to launch a task force, which, boy, we hear that all the time on this. You know, A blue ribbon commission is going to be formed. But- Here's what I'm sitting here thinking, and some of this comes out of doing a lot of these stories on this podcast. Every case that gets fucked up, 
And every horrifying serial killer whose reign of terror went on for years and years and years, it was because of a lack of cooperation between different law enforcement agencies. Now, when you go back in time to the Golden State Killer, which we talked about with the Michelle McNamara. We did. They didn't have the technical capabilities to share information at the level that we do now. But it exists now. Why isn't this is 2018? Why is it not being uploaded? Why can't any cop or ranger just say there was a shooting? Blah blah blah. blah. Why? Anyway, well, I think it's worth noting that they're actually like things like um, the amount of shootings that there are and gun related crimes and deaths are not kept in a federal record either. Mm. Those things are people actually actively working to prevent that because of their beliefs that somehow. The government is out to get them because they have a shotgun and like to go moose hunting. And so they're trying to take away your guns. And so they've followed that pea brain um, Mm -hmm. who just quit his job, Mr. LaPierre, at Mm -hmm. the um, the NRA in a paranoid, probably, to my mind, paranoid belief that um, somehow this is about protecting their civil rights when, in fact, what it is doing is depriving them of the benefit of law enforcement that they might experience if they allowed greater coordination of efforts. But there's active efforts on the part of people with other political beliefs, rightly or wrongly, Mm -hmm. um, that is partly responsible. And then some of it, I think, is just the bureaucratic nature of territoriality. Like, this is my job, and I'm not funded to investigate there, so I'm not investigating there, and... If a crime takes place over and there, I'm I like not. I'm losing patience with that shit. It's, I don't know if anybody cares really. that I am, but well, because like also here in LA, we have overlap. They don't overlap technically, but it feels like we never really know as we're driving through town. Are we in LAPD territory or are we in LA Sheriff's Department territory? All you have to do is look at the street signs. Yeah, I know. Well, we know where West Hollywood is, right? But if we're in another Sheriff's Department territory, city, oh. we don't know because individual cities will contract with, excuse me, contract. <laughs> <laughs> with the sheriff's department, and that's their choice. And I've always been told, yeah, they, they get along. The two agencies get along really well. There's no strife or whatever. And then you get to a story like this, and I, I think there's no LAPD involved here. No, this is all the sheriff's but, department not coordinating with itself. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Which all is right. ridiculous. So we're going to get into the other political side of this, and, and, and it's going to talk about elections, which I remember vividly, even though I had to research them again on the internet after watching the special. So it's Because he's getting older, and he can't remember stuff as vividly as he used to. <laughs> you know what? I just smell my butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the most important thing that everybody focuses on at this interagency task force meeting, where I should say... There's the law enforcement people on stage addressing the community are making it sound as if they have evidence they can't talk about. So they're not acting like they've done nothing or it's no big deal. They're like, we can't comment on this. We can't comment on that. But that's a pretty good cover story, even if they have been doing nothing and (laughs) didn't think it was a big deal. (laughs) I can't comment on the fact that we haven't done shit in six months. And we don't give a crap about this or believe that it's related. Because whatever, I mean, it's 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 a park. It's people out in the woods. It's not like I remember it happening, but I also I didn't feel very. I was like, okay, well, I just I thought Malibu Creek State Park. I thought it was the wife. You thought it was the wife because she wasn't with them. Yeah, she was in Orange County. Yeah, yeah. So she, I thought she came, shot him, and then went back. Okay, but whoever did fire the shot, it was a precision shot because the kids were not harmed. Okay, let's be clear. Mm -hmm. The person who said that, yes, was CC. Yes, that's true. 
That's true. <laughs> Cece is beginning to build the case that there is this Rambo-like character mm-hmm. um, loose in the hills who is right. targeting and shooting at and, in this case, killing somebody, and that maybe he shot from a really long distance yeah. and was able to nail him in the tent. But they found the casings, so... They weren't that far away. Okay, that's um, a really processing good point. The sound. So There's another thing she keeps saying. I think that's saying. unlikely. So, but still, they did. They did, in fact, hit their target, which was the guy and not his children. And here's the the other thing she kept saying over and over again. What did you think of this? Is like whoever it was needed to get in and out really quickly. And I'm like, no, they didn't, because it was a massive state park and no you just one walk was around. Into the woods and <laughs> like, you're in the woods, right. you know, like. And they keep showing these drone shots of the place, and it's like, yeah, a lot of places to hide. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. they walked into Pershing Square downtown yeah. and uh, took somebody out and then disappeared into the into like, the public that's transport really, system. That's not it. Yeah. They were in the woods to begin with. Everybody was in the woods, which goes back to my. You know, overall premise that if you don't go outside, none of this stuff starts happening. <laughs> That's not a workable solution, Eric. <laughs> it's worked for me. Avoid I'm, crime I'm, by staying inside. Stay no, inside. that doesn't work. Don't go outside. Don't People have to go to work. Stay out of the, but not in the woods. They don't. <laughs> People who work. If you in go the to woods. Oregon. Don't get out of your car. <laughs> That's not, my advice. No, because you'll disappear. The, the opinions of Eric Shawquin do not necessarily speak for the opinions of the TDVS network. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I am the TPS. <laughs> You're half of it, and the other half thinks this is some baloney. Okay. Well, so so let's talk about whose opinions also don't speak okay. for the whole network. Listen, it's an election year. That's what this special turns into. And like I said, I remember this election, and there was a gentleman running for sheriff of L.A. County, which is a hugely powerful position. It's not sheriff of Mayberry. No, when you do yeah. that big giant area that we were talking about of 3,000 yeah. mi- square miles, that's who you're the sheriff of. The sheriff was a man named Jim, Mc- Jim McDonald at the time. Oh, I do not remember at all. Well, it was from a time when politicians were not always memorable for being corrupt fuck stanks who were on the news every night of the week I don't know. for he a was, new crime. He was pretty bad apparently mm, according to cc like this is where the, the the it starts to go kind of off the rails like anyway okay i i start to have strong opinions anyway yeah well the hindsight being what it is uh, mr villanueva who was running against mr mcdonald turns out to have been a disaster i mean but this special predates the complete scandalous ruin and defeat of Alex Villanueva in a subsequent election by Robert <laughs> Luna. But, like, <laughs> he had the homes. We're getting ahead of ourselves. What happens is Cece throws in her lot with Alex Villanueva, who's running against Jim McDonald, and Villanueva begins using the Malibu shootings as, like, his signature campaign issue. That Jim McDonald has done also nothing. Don't remember at all. Uh, he says Jim McDonald's done nothing. He's not acting. There's a horrible monster out there. I mean, he's sort of. I mean, it gets to the point where Cece is visiting Villanueva's office once he's elected sheriff, and they're clearly buddy buddy because she clearly helped his campaign. So all of this is turning, in, and as you were pointing out, as her theory gets darker and more elaborate, and the threat gets bigger, it's like, okay, this is starting to feel a little stinky, but. What happened was on October 4th, 2018, there was a break-in in a local business. And this is one month before the election. One month before the election, this man breaks into a local business. He steals food. They have a video of him dressed in black. He resembles a mountain man, whatever that means. 
He's got a backpack and a rifle. He looks like um, Jeb Clampett <laughs> or Paul Bunyan. Apparently. There's uh, a blue ox with him. Now that they're looking at a history, and it's the blue ox who did the shit. That's my theory. I think it was the blue ox. So now they're looking for a guy who's got a history of burglaries and break-ins that might mirror the schedule of the shootings, uh, which is a new lead or a new avenue of investigation. The sheriff's department says they believe the burglar on video was carrying a rifle that matched the weapon used in Bodette's murder. On October 6, 2018, this is just a few days later, a maintenance worker gets flagged down by a guy wearing tactical gear who resembles the guy on the surveillance footage, and he asks for a ride because there are a lot of police around here. Wow. That's a ride I would not give. <laughs> Do you want me to drive you to the police? If not, I'm not sure that I'm doing this. I don't, I don't slow down for a lone guy in tactical gear. Like, if you're a SWAT cop on scene and you're giving me directions, that's fine. But if I'm just driving out and you're just in tactical gear, I don't think so. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Just going to edge over away from where you are. I'm not going to hit you, but not going to slow down a whole lot. No, no, I'll send no. the police back for you and holler yeah. out the window as you drive on by. Yeah, stay out of the woods. Yeah, stay out of the woods, kids. Stay inside, says Eric Shelquin. That's correct. Uncle That's Eric says stay inside. Uncle Eric says stay inside. There's nothing out there. Nothing to see there. All right. So, uh, but this triggers a massive manhunt. SWAT is deployed. The search goes on for three days, and the trail goes cold. Christopher and I, and all of us at TDPS, are still grieving the loss of my dear friend and our beloved premier party person, Anne Rice. But my mother's literary legacy gave birth to a diverse and wonderful community of readers and fans who continue to celebrate her work online. We invite you to join them on the Facebook page dedicated to Anne's legacy. That's where you'll receive the latest updates on new editions of her work and all the exciting changes coming to the AnneRice.com website. Also on the Anne Rice Facebook page, you can join the mailing list to receive all the latest news and information about her forthcoming celebration of life in New Orleans. That's at facebook.com slash Anne Rice fan page, no spaces. If you believe, as we do, that Anne's work is as immortal as her characters, then join us at Anne Rice fan page on facebook.com. See you there. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? <laughs> So, manhunts have been triggered by the fact that a random man in tactical gear 
flag down a maintenance worker and ask for a ride so he could get away from the police. And also <laughs> broke into a local area. And but we don't know if it's the same guy yet. But it's not. But it was still somebody dressed in tactical gear carrying a rifle. So right. There, was an inciting incident. Was it? And it was apparently not the only break-in, right? There had been others. The in the same of break-ins, of, yeah. And it's the same basic MO. They break in and they steal food and stuff, but not really much more. Well, I, once the manhunts commence, there is a subsequent break-in at the Agora Hills Community <laughs> Center. And the footprints lead to the mountains, and they follow the trail, and that's where they find a suspect walking with a rifle on their shoulder. And this man is 42-year-old Anthony Rauda, whose last name will be spelled 900 different times on the screen as they show different news articles. I was, like, trying to write down the correct version, and I'm like, what was this man's last name? Yeah, we don't—no one knows for sure. He was living in the wilderness, which doesn't strike anyone as a surprise. He had a string of weapons-related offenses. He's a uh, parolee, and naturally, CC doesn't believe it's the guy. No, because he's not sophisticated enough. He doesn't match the— fantasy version that she's created of this Rambo roaming the woods. She believes that there's a precision, like the name of this episode, the Malibu sniper is a misnomer. This was not a sniper. A sniper yeah. is not somebody who gets up close and shoots his victims. They're long range shooters and it's a different skill and it's a different, and this was not a sniper case. This was a case of somebody going around firing his weapon at people. She says she speaks to Pia, and I don't take her side. I'm just putting her version out there. She speaks to private investigators and former law enforcement officers about the gunshots in the previous cases, and they tell her that a shotgun was used in the gentleman in the hammock, not a rifle. Right. But the cops didn't find a rifle. They find a different type of gun, a zip gun, which they say could have had the same effect as a shotgun. Absolutely. And she never mentions that. She just says it wasn't a shotgun. It, was, they it, was, it also wasn't a rifle. say, and I think this is really key, mm-hmm. that CC doesn't seem to pick up on this or doesn't report this as, as, as virulently as she reports everything else. They matched the rifle that he did have right. to the bullet that killed the father with sleeping with his two children. So it's a ballistic match. So it is. it was fired by the gun that the guy had when they caught him. So, and it, this is so one that's kind of the, him. But what she's really doing here, which they don't, they let her do, but the special doesn't get fully behind her, is she's accusing the sheriff's department of planting this evidence to, fu- to rush an arrest prior to the election. To try and get the, the McDonald to reelected, um, which doesn't work out well for them. Or she's just saying that they're rushing to make him the suspect and he's not the real suspect. They're just, in fact, they did such a convincing job. I was waiting for them to reveal who really did it. And then when, well, you'll see. So uh, in January 2019, Villanueva becomes the sheriff. And after implying that they had the wrong guy, he reviews the evidence from Rauda's campsite and finds that it all suggests that Rauda did it. Because the bullets <laughs> matched the gun that he had. And like, because he had won the election and had no longer a stake in claiming it wasn't Rauda. Right. Oh, my God. Rauda's arrested on one count of murder, ten counts of attempted murder, and five counts of burglary. He pleads not guilty. He is clearly not a well person. He fires his lawyer. He gets a postponement. Um, but three weeks after his arrest... Another person gets shot at in Malibu State Park. They search the woman's car. Police claim it was a rock that broke out her window. They show a picture of the window, and it's like, what did you think of the picture? It looked like a shot. It looked like a shot. Cece says she thinks it was a shot. There was a perfectly round hole in the middle of the— Well, 
they said that. I didn't see that necessarily, but the way in which there was a single point of impact that shattered that entire window, that just rocks just don't do that. Yeah. So wrapping up the special so we can get into what we think, even though we've done a fair amount of that right along. Uh, Bodet's family files a $90 million wrongful death suit against the sheriff's department. It is dismissed by the Superior Court in April of 2021. But their premise is worth noting. They were saying that law enforcement should have made people aware that there was an active shooter in the area. Mm Mm-hmm. And who had been randomly shooting at people for a while, and that was true. You knew there was a shark out there. Yeah, and you it was didn't like that. Us. Yeah. Yes, it was like the mom and and Jaws. Right. Um, the special ends there, but I we did our research, and this show is about two or three years old. Anthony Rauta was ultimately convicted and sentenced to 119 years in prison. Because the weapon he used yes. was directly linked with the actual murder, so he was the guy. And CeCe's good friend Alex Villanueva went down in an inferno of scandal before being ousted. This is my words now in our notes. Before being ousted at the ballot box, he was implicated in cover-ups of police abuse. He's believed to have ordered a raid on the home of a county supervisor who had been a vocal critic of his, a moment I remember and which yielded nothing criminal. And Yeah, yeah. 60-year-old woman or something. Sheila Kuehl, 60-year-old, openly T- lesbian. Former um, TV yeah. star was, yeah, rousted out of her home at 6 a.m. They searched her house for nothing, apparently. I'm um, just to fuck her over. Threatened reporters, defied subpoenas because he considered them political. Who does that remind you of? The L.A. Times referred to him as, quote, unhinged, and uh, he went down hard in the election. So he he was nobody's hero, ultimately, at the end of the Except day. Except maybe CeCe's. He I'm, also was, I don't know. Maybe she turned on him later. He was also blocking investigations into uh, gangs inside the sheriff's department, of which he was alleged to have been a member. And, yeah, not yeah. gangs of criminals, but gangs of law enforcement yes. people <laughs> yes. inside uh, criminal institutions, which was like, how does that even work? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It was really, it was really, it was a really questionable. And um, it was a weird experience. It would be like, it's like if you go and watch a really old documentary about New York from the nineties or the early two thousands and they interview Donald Trump and he's just this lovable idiot, you know, saying these ridiculous things. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not, no, no, no. I know the whole story here. That's how I felt when Villanueva started being interviewed. I was like, Oh fuck no, not him. I'm not going to watch a special in which he's an authority on anything. And the other thing I would say as we address CC's bringing up that 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 you know about the rock or the other bullet that hit the woman's window and shattered the window is that CC and the mom from Jaws, mm-hmm. you know, where she says you knew there was a shark out there. Well, we all do. That's where all the sharks are. Right, is out there. Yeah. And the fact that somebody was shooting after they arrested Rauda or whatever mm-hmm. his name was, right. Rauda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> After they arrested him, <laughs> right. um, that didn't mean that there weren't any more shooters left or any more guns. It just means the guy who murdered that father had been arrested and was going to jail. So it kind of indicts CeCe's whole case that it right. was the one sinister, if we just get Rambo out of our woods and we'll have, you know, there'll be no more shootings. Like, yeah. No, that isn't how. That's not. He's not going to be the last shooter. That's the, that's not how it works. The special opens with her walking through the Malibu wilderness and talking to the camera, and referring to a specific canyon, which is part of the straight. Saying this is the darkest place. I would never hike through it's here. It's called at night. Dark Canyon. Yeah, and it's like 
Okay. That well, so the story here is that you have a really dangerous piece of unpoliced wilderness area that needs a different approach from law enforcement. Yeah. Maybe some gates or some monitoring stations or whatever. I don't see how the sheriff's department some alone man traps. <laughs> <laughs> You're an imaginative person. <laughs> A tiger pet. A tiger pet. I don't know. Like it's. I think that is an issue. That is. Or you could stay inside. Yeah, and that's not Eric. That's not something we can tell people. You Going can't. out in the woods at night is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, people need to be safe to camp in the wilderness if they want to. I think people are taking their chances <laughs> by camping in the wilderness. I think if you want to be safe, stay at a nice hotel. Here's my here's my here's my thing. Okay, not everybody can afford a nice hotel. For well, starters. say the nicest one you can afford to the nicest Holiday Inn or whatever. Um, everybody talks about this wilderness like it's beautiful, and like honestly, the plunging mountains to the the coast of Malibu. They're, they're kind of beautiful from a distance. Christopher loves the drone shots of them, which is another great way too. to see the wilderness is from a drone camera but and the comfort of your living room. If I may finish my point, once you get into the actual mountains of Malibu, it's a barren tinderbox. It's not beautiful wilderness. Unless I don't know. you're a rattlesnake, in it, which case yes, you'll love it. And there's snakes. I Anyway, stay um, inside. Stay in, stay in. This is stay inside month on TVPS. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. But let, let's talk. Let's get serious here because that's enough. Really? Do you think people Did tuned it? in to hear us get serious? Well, if they're, if they're halfway done their laundry, they want us to get to some sort of thesis statement. Right. Here we need point. to wrap this up, boys. Um, I got laundry to fold. Later in the month, we are, as we said earlier, we're going to talk to Clark Williams, who is our very own citizen detective. Um, Clark, one of the things we like about Clark when he came in and talked about the Billy Newton case previously is he had a certain amount of humility about what he did. Um, and he what his head didn't seem to be swelling from all of the attention. Um, or and he didn't wasn't wearing a giant hat. And he was also very uh, cooperative with law enforcement, right? He was took well, the attitude. He said that, he was presenting them with possibilities that right. they could then wrap up, that he didn't solve the crime that the law enforcement did, but he provided them with additional clues and information that allowed them, in some cases, certainly in this case. Cece here seems to present herself as an alternative to a corrupt department. And I don't know how effective, how much that approach helped her case. I'm not, I don't know the substance of her exchanges. I gotta say, exchanges. I think that she did, she gets credit as okay. a citizen detective. I think that she was a little off the rails when it came to her conclusion because she wasn't a good. She was a reporter and not a detective. And reporters' primary job is to get you to read their publication, not to solve crimes. Right. So, I yeah, I'm always like, you want to take what you read with a grain of salt. Like they're reporting stuff so that you'll buy their paper, right. not reporting stuff because they're under some sort of, you know, seal of yeah commitment to some pledge they've taken to advance society and protect the Constitution. That's not their job. That's a different group's job. Um, but what she did point out was the lack of cooperation between those different departments. Yeah. Because what was happening was there were a series of shooters. They were all that guy mm -hmm. for the most part. There was also a series of break-ins that were not being linked together where somebody was breaking in to steal food, which he needed to do because he was living out in the woods. Right. But, you know, like... 
There was a problem here, and it was not being addressed by the people that were supposed to address the problem. And that's what she pointed out. That's what journalists are supposed to do. Yeah. That's the their part. Solving the crime and picking out the suspect, that's probably outside of their pay grade and purview. But certainly the part that she did do, the yeah. citizen detective part that she did do, was see these things and say, this is connected to the fact that you're not coordinating right. your efforts. And for that, I'll give her credit— I'm a, I don't I'm know a, how she wound up coming down. You know, she may have been on our side with Villanueva after it was revealed what a yeah. sack of potatoes he was to begin with. But she may not, you know, not have known. I remember there was, I remember being encouraged to support Villanueva when he was running the first time because nobody knew he was going to turn out to be so terrible. Right. Okay. How about this? This is This is my other thought. And I think it addresses your point, and I think I, as an Angelino of over two decades, is qualified to make this assessment, as are you. Practically a native. We have a lot of wild areas that abut directly the the metropolis. They need their own law enforcement agency. If rangers are not processed to handle, they're not equipped to handle crime scenes, we need a wilderness law enforcement. We have people going missing in Angeles Crest National Forest all the time, people going off the road up there. Those areas should be swept by drones. We, there was just a story a few weeks ago of a woman who was in her car at the bottom of the canyon for, for days. days. You know, like those areas need their own dedicated law enforcement. We have rescue services out the wazoo, and I praise all of that. Runyon Canyon is not too far from where we live, and if you hear like military-style ordinance, it means a hiker has tripped and fallen, and they are literally going to helicopter them out of there. Hmm. They may also get a bill for about $10,000 for that assistance, I think. Do or you something mean like. ordinance? You don't mean ordinance. Uh, military ordinance sounds like weapons. Yeah, yeah it's trying like to make explosions. It I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, they, they, if <laughs> I hear military ordinance <laughs> going off in Runyon Canyon... <laughs> I'm heading for Brentwood. I'm evacuating. I'm going to Brentwood. <laughs> no, they will blow up half the canyon to get the person out. It's I very just, it common. Like, I was, I it's thought, very common, Eric. I it's thought that common. that was like, you know, like no. firing out. these shoot over the I water to get ordinance. the body to rise. Aircraft. I don't know. But, okay. Aircraft. I've okay. been military aircraft. Okay. I, I just wanted to be, I was like, ordinance? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> that would be really amazing. I would totally call you and text you, though. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Please Eric, do you hear those bombs? Yes, I do, Christopher. I'm very alarmed. We I should it. go. We should go to uh, San Diego immediately. <laughs> we should get in the, go to the coast and evacuate. Um, anyway, so I that's my big idea. Now you say something like that to anyone who works in city government, they're like, "It'll cost eight trillion dollars," right. you know, and it's like, "No, right. nobody's out there." And this takes me back to my much, 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 I'm much earlier point. <laughs> let's let's dig up. Let's dig up Mr. Uh, Howard Jarvis. Oh, Howard Jarvis. I thought you were going to tell people not to go outside again. burn his bones because people don't want to pay their taxes here, and so we can't afford the services we actually need. Yeah, I know. And I agree with you. I think it does need to be patrolled. I also think that a healthy respect for being outside and perhaps staying inside could help. But you're right. That woman was inside her car when it went off the canyon, and because it wasn't patrolled, she was there for a week or something in her car that that shouldn't be the case we should be patrolling those areas and and yeah there's a wilderness area maybe two blocks from my house and i live on the sunset strip right yeah totally. like that's that's how pervasive it is here it's great it's part of the natural beauty of the place the mountains zigzag Look, through town and whatever when one of your national civic heroes is a mountain lion as it is here in la py 42 wherever that, 23 or he's like our was. national he, he's like one of our civic 
icons now painted on the sides of buildings. That's a sign we got a lot of wilderness area in our city. Or some real wackadoos. And <laughs> Listen, he was living cute. Living in the neighborhood. It was he was a, a cute mountain he lion. Was a, he got hit by a car. It was he really terrible. He was also out of his mind and malnourished, which was very sad because he was limited in where he could go to... Feet. Anyway, this is not a mountain lion podcast. I'm not, not going to piss off animals. Because local people. restaurants discriminate against mountain lions. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's not what I meant. <laughs> mountain lions should be able to go to a restaurant and get dinner just like anybody else. No, that is not what I meant. Eric Shaw Quinn, <laughs> you are a caution. <laughs> Sounds like somebody from Los Angeles, though, I gotta say. Yeah, no. Not is. everybody. We're all, there's a whole variety of nuts. It's okay. the mixed nuts environment of Los Angeles. Two that finger really pointing. Works for me. I'm Uh-oh. doing a two finger point. What does that mean? I get, I get your point about taxation here in California, but I will tell you what has happened a lot recently since the death of Howard Jarvis, who started that whole anti tax movement here, is that we have, as a state, through the ballot box, Voted in specific taxes for stuff people want a, a lot. We voted a we voted in a big tax for public transportation because we want that uh, high speed rail. Right. We voted in a lot of money to deal with homelessness, and I don't maybe I that's would, getting I hope better. one day they start spending it. <laughs> I don't know where it went, but we voted in. And I think if you voted in, you know, a new law enforcement agency to patrol the wilderness areas, if your loved one goes missing and drives off the road, there are a lot of people who might vote for that. The next election, remember the Rodney King riots? Oh, God, yeah. The next election after the Rodney King riots, there was something on the ballot saying, let's increase the funding for local law enforcement because the Rodney King riots, remember that? That was mm-hmm. terrible. And people voted it down. Well, that's an interesting time. And the, and the, and the public schools in Los Angeles County and a lot of California have been underfunded and on emergency funding for as long as I've lived here. And I've lived here for more than 30 years and they're still not fully funding the schools. Like Mm -hmm. if we want things to be better here, we have to be willing to pay for better things. And at this point I continue to find on an ongoing basis that we are not. And I would like to say, as I always do, no matter how much taxes you are paying, mm-hmm. you probably didn't pay enough in taxes to pave the street in front of your house. So you might want to bear in mind what you're getting for your tax dollars before you elect to stop contributing yes. them to the general benefit of yourself mm-hmm. um, in the world that you want to live in. If you want to stay at a first-class hotel, you're going to have to pay to stay at a first-class hotel. But, yeah, but, you know, Elon Musk, he's going to buy everything and fix it because, you know, that's how it Because works. everything that he's bought is going great. <laughs> he's going to dig up everything. We're all going to live in Elonville. That's how private industry saves everything. A lunatic drug addict fucks up everything. <laughs> the social media platform you've grudgingly relied on for 20 years to promote Just yourself. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, like, anyway. how could he lose that much money that fast? Like, I agree with you. I'm not, and I don't mean to play devil's advocate, and I, I would point out that the Increasing funding for law enforcement after the Rodney King riots when so many people were were full of anger at law enforcement seems like an interesting choice in terms of timing. But at the same time, I think you're absolutely right. And the case of the school system is a great example of the size of L.A. that we're talking about, L.A. Unified and all that sort of stuff. People will not fund what it needs given its size. And I don't support the secession movements that have popped up over the years, which I think are a misguided response to that. The Valley tried to secede from L.A. at one point and become its own city. And everybody pointed out if it does that, it's not going to actually have any rich people. 
to fund anything. And what I always say in response to everybody who wants to secede, it's like, fine, but you have to pay us back for everything that we paid to build there. Yeah. So you have to pay us back for all of your parks and all of your roads and everything that Los Angeles paid to build in your area. And then you can go be your own private city. But first, you have to pay us back. If Texas wants to be another country or secede from the union, that's just fine. But first they have to pay us for all their airports and schools and highways and freeways and everything else that we, the taxpayers of the country, have paid to build them. I agree with you. You can't just leave with every, you can't take all your marbles and my marbles and go home. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I I agree with you. Um, Because you'd say anything to get me to shut up. (laughs) uh, Well, I also have to use the bathroom, so I thought we could wrap this one up. No, I'm just kidding. Um... I think that's I, – I, this one left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Like I just – I know we've sort of talked through all the issues, but I, I didn't – I just thought that there was – I thought she went overboard at the end. And I, I, the danger with any citizen detective is when they begin to promote themselves at the expense of the victims in the case. And she got a little self-righteous for me, and I thought she threw her lot in with the wrong guy. And she, I think she implied a conspiracy around Jim McDonald that was horseshit. And it's the thing that – it's the thing that – is that what we started out to talk about is like bearing in mind what the role of the media actually is. Yeah. Right? Her job is to get you to read her website. That's her yeah. job. It's not the benefit of the community. Well, and 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 her website, which was depicted as this small local thing, uh, became the reason she got on the show. So like it shifted as they were talking about it. She was just this journalist who cared about environmental law. Well, and then she got famous by talking about these scenarios and and you know. she was right about the lack of coordination in yeah. the area. That's the sort of thing that good muckraking journalism can point out. But then you have to leave it to the people that are supposed to solve the problem to solve the problem as opposed to trying to manage the solution of the problem yourself. That's when you move into there's a certain news network that I won't name mm-hmm. that wants to tell us how to run the country rather than just tell us, you know, point out where the problems are that they think might need to be solved right. by the country. They want us to tell us they want to tell us how to run the country instead. So next week we're continuing Citizen Detectives Month. We're doing an episode of a show we've never done before, Deadline Crime with Tamron Hall. I don't know what happened to Tamron Hall. I liked her. I think she got mad when they wouldn't the, who is it who left? Was it when Matt left? Uh, Matt Lauer left the Today Show, you Matt mean? Lauer left the Today Show, and Hoda went to be co-host with Savannah and somebody. Or maybe it was when Kathy Lee left, and she wanted to be the other half of the the wine hour, the 10 o'clock oh, hour. Okay. And they hired um, Jenna Bush mm-hmm. to do it instead. And she was, I think she was... Not yes. okay with that. And uh, so I think she kind of decided she was going to strike out on her own and be a big success. And I don't think that worked out so well. Well, and I think this show is is a couple years old, Deadline Crime with Tamron Hall. The episode is called Never Stop Looking. You don't have to watch it to understand our conversation about it. We hope. We're going to try to serve it up for you in such steaming detail. You'll feel like you watched it with us. Um, so, and I don't know when in the timeline of her career this show was. I think 2011 is when this episode was. Yeah, so I think this was back when she was still going strong at NBC. Um, and I liked her. I'm sorry she's gone, too. I I always liked Tamron Hall. And maybe she's doing something amazing now and I'm just not aware of. Television has gotten to be so gigantic now. It's just not possible to keep up with stuff. I saw a news report that said there were only, only 
this was about the the contraction that's happening in scripted television at least only 600 new shows this year down from 900 before the strike i was like <laughs> jesus christ only 600 i remember when it was like five a year on three networks and maybe hbo is it anthony andrews who used to be the star of blackish I think so. I think that's his name. Yeah. The guy who used to be the star of Blackish was also the host of the Emmys mm -hmm. and doing the promotions for the Emmys this past year. He said, "This is about this show is about the nine the nine shows that you do watch, the fifty shows you haven't had time to watch, and the hundred and fifty shows you never heard of before in your life." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes, that is absolutely how it feels." And so Tamara may be out there having a booming career on some show, in which case, let us know, Tamron. We love you. Absolutely. Anyway, so next week, more Tamron. Next week, more Tamron. Citizen Detectives Month continues. At the end of the month, our own Citizen Detective Clark Williams will be joining us until then and forever after. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. <laughs> This is TDPS.